jacks are in the boxes and the clowns have all gone to bed you can hear happiness staggering on down the street footprints dressed in We are back in the basement. What's I, up? I was going to fade that song out a lot earlier, but I think we were both feeling it. Oh, yeah. We were just jamming, man. That's, oh, it kills me. Jimi Hendrix, man. Opening with Jimi Hendrix, Wind Cries Mary. So what are we going to talk about today? I don't know, man. What about this, dude? We're listening to Hendrix. So you know about the Forever 27 Club, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, the... Artists, oh, musicians, yeah. actors, people who have died at the age of 27. Right. Like, it's so weird, that whole list, that everybody that's died at 27, man. Yeah, there's some big, big names on yeah. that. Hendrix, Morrison, Janis Joplin. Um, Robert Johnson. Amy Winehouse. Kurt Cobain. Oh, yeah. I mean, just, it's odd. So, I think about it, and I'm like, what is the connection here, man? What's the 27 all about? But I think it's just everybody's got like this whole thing, you know, it's this big spiritual thing or blah, blah, blah. But I don't know, man. I think it's just 
they're 27 years old. They're in the prime of this ridiculous rock and roll career. And they're just living life to the excess. And then that's it. Yeah. I mean, they just push it too far. And I think if we look at it, we're going to see a lot of common themes. Oh, yeah. A lot of drugs. Yes. (laughs) A lot of partying. A lot of excess in every aspect of their life, man. One of the one of the earlier names on the list is Robert Johnson, uh, king of the the Delta Blues. Yep. I mean, if you you listen to people like Clapton, reveres him, uh, Keith Richards, all these guys who are still around today, right. they all look back to him, like he was. I don't know. So many of these guys pulled music from him. So let's uh, want to play like, a little. He was like the founder of the blues guitar. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of licks. The blues licks came from him. So they just everybody, all, all the blues guitarists look up to him. Well, let's get into a little uh, Robert Johnson. That's when I first I listened to this the other day, and I was like, "That's this is all feel." He just starts crooning like that. I listen, like from a musician standpoint, and I listen to like the the chord progressions he uses and stuff, and you can still hear that stuff in like modern music. You listen, like the people you said, Clapton, even Joe Bonamassa. And people like that, they're still using the same chord progression, some of the same licks that everybody uses that still, all the time in blues. Well, he comes from a time when they were still working in the fields, like picking cotton in the fields. And apparently he would disappear. He'd run to the side of the house, and from what I heard, he nailed, he put three nails into the side of the house and strung wire down wow. down the side like vertically down the side of the house and then nailed him in the bottom took a bottle and put it behind the wire and slid it down so to bring it off the house almost like like he's making like a pickup and he would sit and he would play the side of the house on these three wires just oh, wow. just like slide guitar bringing another bottle up and down on the nice over the incredible. strings incredible and they'd never find him working he would just be playing music Actually, uh, there's a really good old movie about blues, and you you're probably familiar with it, but a lot of people aren't. Crossroads. Oh yeah, with Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio, and then Steve Vai is the devil's guitar player, and that's all about them chasing this lost song by Robert Johnson. Well, do do you know the myth about Robert Johnson, the Crossroads myth? That he sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um. So, I guess what would happen is the way the myth goes is you would go to the crossroads at midnight and you would just sit there with your guitar, your harmonica, whatever your instrument was, and you would wait for Old Scratch, the devil, to show up. And you couldn't look at him. 
you just had to hand your instrument over your head and he would tune it and give it back to you and that was the pack that you made mm-hmm. with the devil that was the pack with old scratch i heard almost the exact same story but i heard that you would sit and play and if you played it right that's when old scratch would show up that's funny that's where yeah. the myth keeps you know growing <laughs> I've heard clap buddy guy. I guess there's only two pictures of Robert Johnson too that are really? known to exist. So that's why I think I feel like every time I've seen like a picture of Robert Johnson, you always see that same image of him sitting there with the guitar and a suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. That's the one that everybody knows. That it's because there's no pictures of him. There's like not a ton of history. So it wasn't as easy back then either. You couldn't pull out your uh, iPhone and snap a shot of Robert Johnson, you know. <laughs> So do do you know why he died? Did you ever hear? No. Was it? Oh, I, I'm. No, I don't know. I read that it actually may have been syphilis, but I think <laughs> I think there's more legend that <laughs> exists around it that makes it for a much better story. I was actually surprised to see him on the Forever Twenty Seven Club because I didn't know that he was on there. Yeah. So I I don't know a lot of history about his death. Right. Well, I think it's coming from a time when there's not a ton of history and. People really had to do a lot of digging to find out what they could about him. I mean, there's documentaries about him now, and right. there's a lot more information. But well, that's why the legend grew. You know, oh yeah, it was just one person saying, "Oh, Robert Johnson died from this," and then they pass it on to the next guy, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I think he just fulfilled his contract. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But isn't that what makes the legend kind of more exciting and right, more? Right. I mean, the folklore, man. Yeah. Yeah. And now that we're our world today like everything is recorded everything is right you know social media everything's on the internet so yeah i don't know how much folklore really exists anymore oh yeah there's there's nothing that gets made up now you can see it all everything gets videotaped everything's posted on youtube so who else is on the list that we're going to talk about uh well we got Jimi hendrix who we started the show out with I think that was Jamie sneezing upstairs. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jamie. <laughs> Hi, Jamie. <laughs> she made it on the podcast and doesn't even know it. <laughs> Where were we? Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> hey. So. 
go. So Jimi Hendrix, who was Jimi Hendrix, James Marshall Hendrix, right? James Marshall Hendrix, who was not born James Marshall Hendrix. He was uh, born John someone Hendrix. His parents changed his name when he was four years old. Really? I didn't know that. Can you imagine being a four-year-old kid who's been called John your whole life? Right? John, we're not going to call you John anymore. This isn't your name anymore. Sorry. You're James. <laughs> Wait. We well, messed up. We're going to change your name now. We're good. <laughs> so everybody knows Hendrix, famous, famous left-handed guitar player. He was probably the the first real famous left-handed guitar player. Um, a legend at the guitar. No, no disputing that. So he just, um, but he was really a, a like a humble, a humble guitar player. Like everything I've ever read about him, everybody says that. He didn't take compliments well. You know, you would tell him he's a great guitar player, and he was like, well, you know, thanks, I just do my best kind of thing. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't no Con, Con, uh, Kanye there. Where, uh, <laughs> I'm great and everybody knows it, so do I. You know, he was just a real humble guy. Um, Did not play a left-handed guitar, though, right? No. He re-strung his guitar? He re-strung his guitar, a right-handed guitar, it. and flipped it. This is a great song, and uh, the Stevie Ray Vaughan's version is awesome, too. There's been a lot of guitar players redo Hendrix songs. They're just, they're timeless, man. They're phenomenal. Stevie Ray doesn't fall into this club, right? No. Stevie Ray's not 27. Okay. No. A bit older? Yeah, I think he's older than that. I'm sure someone will fact check us. Oh, yeah. Definitely. If we're wrong, let us know for sure. So how does Jimi Hendrix speak to the guitar player? Speak to the guitar player? Like you. No man, he just there's something about his playing, man. He just he put everything he had into his playing. If you if you watch a performance from him, I mean he, he basically just disappears. It's him and his guitar. I don't think he even knows anybody else is out there. And he just he becomes one with that instrument. He becomes one with the music. And it's it's something incredible, man. I think one of the themes we're going to keep seeing too is these guys who are I mean these guys are uber talented right right like some of the I mean the best you'll ever see right so does that contribute to to them burning out so quickly and just you know I think they're just when they reach that level I mean they're at the peak of their careers and there's just so much demand on them I mean they're getting pulled from every side Everybody wants something from them. Everybody wants their music. Everybody wants some kind of a deal. They start looking for some kind of peace somewhere. So they usually turn to substance. You know, even I mean, you can see that today. I look at Michael Jackson. 
he was not in the Forever 27 Club, but all he wanted was some sleep. I mean, there was so much pressure on him all the time that he was taking propofol so that he could get some rest. And I think it's the same with these guys. They just, there's so much demand and so much pressure when they get to that point where they just, I just want a little bit of peace. So they become alcoholics or they start using drugs to, to find that peace where they can just chill for a minute. And then they take it to an excess where they just, that's it, they burn out. You would think once you get kind of past this a bit, um, you know, you start getting your 30s, 40s, maybe some of these guys would be approaching their 50s and, and older now. But you look at someone like Chris Cornell. Right. right? Is it, or um, what was his name from Lincoln Park? Um, Chad Bennington. Yeah. Right. Were they just troubled souls? You know, I think the, I mean, there's always probably an underlying factor, some type of, it, look at, I mean, look at these guys and the, the music they write. I mean, some of the lyrics, man, you just, if you just read the lyrics, you're like, man, that's crazy. That's out there. So the, I think there's always some kind of underlying something in them, you know, some kind of depression or some kind of something that's happened to them in their life that's just totally changed their way of thinking. Because to listen to the lyrics, but to actually sit down and read them, it's a whole different world, man. Because you're just like, what does this mean? So, I don't know. I almost think music would be that outlet, though, that helps right. get them past that. Right. As opposed to just keeping it all bottled in. Like, they have a way of expressing that. I think that's why the songs are so great, man. It's like a... It's actual... Their life. They're writing their life down on paper. So... And so castle is made of sand melts into the sea eventually She was crippled for life and she couldn't speak a sound And she wished and prayed she could stop living So she decided to die She drew a wheelchair to the edge of the shore And to her legs she smiled, you won't hear me no more But then a sight she never seen made her jump and say Look, a golden wind ship is passing my way And it really didn't have to stop it just kept So I'm moving. reading today about Hendrix and his death And so castles made a sand it was really weird man because like that whole day he was just doing stuff you know he was he was out um with his girlfriend they had gone to the bank they had gone to a party they did all these things oh that's right he did spend the day with his girlfriend yeah. didn't he yeah there's like actual pictures of him in the garden at their apartment with his guitar and, and he looks a little rough in the picture but I mean they just spent the day together and did all these things and then came back and he asked her for a sleeping pill because he just couldn't get to sleep oh this is all coming back to me now right. All right, keep talking so he uh she wouldn't give him one wanted him to fall asleep naturally she went at some point to get a pack of cigarettes came back claims that he was still breathing but unresponsive in the bed called an ambulance ambulance crew shows up she's gone 
they show up to a, an apartment with an open door. Nobody in the apartment but Hendrix. They go in, and he's covered in vomit. So he died from asphyxiation. He, he drowned in his own vomit. He, it was, um, she gave him a barbiturate, right? Right. Which you don't see a lot in medicine anymore. You right. see, like, benzodiazepines. But, um, it was something you're supposed to take, like, a half tablet of. Right. Right. And from what I read, he may have taken as many as, like, nine of them. Yeah. So he took, like, 18 times the amount that he right. should have taken. Uh, you know, he spent all those years doing drugs, man. They just, that's, that's, that's the heroin epidemic, too, man. They just keep pushing, keep pushing, because they need more and more and more, and that's where he was at. He just needed more and more and more so he could get some sleep. But the crew, they actually, I can't remember the name of the ambulance crew, but they actually had the names in Wikipedia of the ambulance crew that showed up. To oh, really? Care. Yes. And, that's uh, n- as a paramedic, that's not the reputation I want. Right. Yeah. The guy that couldn't bring Hendrix back. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who killed the music. Well, right. all right, Jimmy killed the music, but I mean. You yeah, know. exactly. But uh, they talked about, they said that he was he was completely full, like full of vomit. He had drowned oh, in good. his vomit, right? He asphyxiated and drowned himself. Yeah. And they talked about doing CPR on him and stuff, and they actually took him to the hospital. He just didn't make it after that. But, I mean, that's crazy. Going back to what you were talking about earlier, can you draw, like, a direct correlation kind of between Jimi Hendrix then and Michael Jackson? Is it just... God, I just got to get some rest. Like, I'm just worn out. My psyche is worn out mm-hmm. emotionally, physically. Can you kind of see some, oh, I think some ties so. between them? I think so, totally. I mean, they were both incredible artists. I mean, outside of the box thinking, always creating. So their mind is just never stopping, never stopping. They lay down at night to go to sleep, and their mind is just constantly going, constantly going. Plus all the outside pressure of everybody wanting something. Everybody, you know, hey, can you do this for me? Can you play on this? Can you get this? Hey, I want to do this tour, da 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 Just continually pressure. And all they want to do is get a little bit of rest. And that's exactly what his girlfriend said about him that day. He just, he wanted to get some sleep. That was all he wanted to do. And I, and I think there's total correlation between the both. You can see that. I just can't imagine getting into their brains, man. Just that nonstop creativity, nonstop musical genius. They've always got these ideas. They've always got oh yeah, just this. Like I said, they're just totally always thinking outside of the box when it comes to music. Just phenomenal. So, I think this next guy I want to get into and start talking about. I think we're going to see this is like a common. This is a thread that's running amongst all these people. Because we're gonna, I want to talk about Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. Oh yeah. And even before um, he died, and we'll talk about when he died. Um, I think it was a few weeks; could have been a few months. He was in Italy, I think. Um, and I'm just remembering this from back when I was in college, so I didn't look this up, research it, or anything. But I remember he was in a hospital in Italy for mixing wine and I think it was barbiturates again, and mm-hmm. was in a coma for a few days. Really. And that was. The first, I think we, we as listeners and fans, we're all kind of like, oh, here we go, right, right? Right. This is kind of, well, actually, I thought at that point that was the end. It turned out, it seems like it was kind of the beginning of the end. 
from one lefty to another lefty, both left-handed guitar players. He was left-handed, wasn't he? Yeah. I completely forgot all about that. Yeah. My experience with Nirvana was, I think I really started hearing about them senior year in high school for me. And yeah. Smells Like Teen Spirit just took over MTV. Yeah. And for like a 17, 16-year-old kid, whatever. I'm like, a couple years older than you, so it was right about, right in the uh, middle of my, well, what'd you say? It was at the end of your high school? I, yeah, I, f- I so feel I like been 91, 92. For, yeah, I graduated in 90, so I would have been right out of high school. That's I think that's when the whole grunge thing started, too. This is what really, I mean, there was definitely it in, a right. lot of musicians in the quote-unquote quote Seattle sound that right. they'd been making music for years. Allison but James. Right, Soundgarden. Um, Soundgarden. Oh, well, I think that was might even before, like... What, Stone Temple Pilots? Would you they're actually that? from California. But they, right. I, my brain puts them in that sound, Same too. Category, it does. Right. Um, all those guys that... And these, there's a lot of, like, intermingling of all those artists, too. Right. But when this song finally hit the airways, this is what really just kicked it all off. Not right. this song, but um, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Right. Uh, but, yeah. I remember that. Well, everybody remembers the album cover. Right. With the, the naked baby in the pool. <laughs> I think they interviewed him a few <laughs> years yeah, ago, too, didn't they? Yeah. He's like a grown man now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, when Kurt died, though, I remember, like, it's one of those weird things, like, you know, where you were on 9-11 or when the space shuttle exploded or whatever. I remember where I was hmm. when I heard that Kurt Cobain was dead. And I was driving back from visiting my girlfriend at Michigan State. And I was driving back to Ferris State in my tiny little Ford Festiva, <laughs> which got like 60 miles to the gallon. <laughs> that thing was incredible. But it was one of those. There's no way, right? There's no right. way that this just right. happened, right? Even even though, again, like I was just saying, we had already heard he almost died just prior to this, right? right? But then for it to be a real thing. And that dominated the news cycle that was a big and this was before you had a 24-hour news cycle again this is in the 90s so you don't have cnn or any station that's broadcast you do but it's not i don't think it's as impactful as it is today just news around the clock right right so do you remember i don't remember where i was when i was never a big nirvana fan until after the death and then I started listening to him. I was like, "Oh, this is this is good stuff, man. I, I kind of, I'm digging this now." So that's when I became more of a Nirvana fan. Before that, I was, you know, it took me a minute to get into the grunge kind of scene, to get into that kind of music. You know, but I grew up, you know, I mean, you know, I'm a country fan. I love country. Music. I love all music, but I love country music. Right. So I grew up listening to that. I grew up listening to you know pop music and things like that. So it took me a minute to get into the grunge, but once it once the door opened, man, then I was like, I love Alice in Chains, I love Soundgarden, and I dig Nirvana now, man. But back in the day, I was not a big fan. So, and Nirvana's drummer was, oh yeah, Dave Grohl, man. So which led to, of course, Foo Fighters, right. who have been consistent, consistently one of my favorite bands for the last ten, fifteen years. That's a talented dude, man. Yeah, Dave Grohl's very talented. I mean, he went from the drummer of a band to the frontman guitar player of a band. I mean, the guy's great. Phenomenal. Yeah. So, Kurt Cobain. Oh, I was going <laughs> to get off track. <laughs> Don't let me get off track. <laughs> wow. Married to Courtney Love. Oh. Of Hole. Yeah. 
who was a total disaster. But I, that lends to her talent. There's a lot of stuff from Hole and Courtney Love that I really enjoy. Right. Even the stuff like that she wrote with Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins. Right. And they bicker and they feud and they had a love affair and they hate each other. They love each other. Right. And I feel like you can see her craziness and how that influenced Kurt. Right. Right. It had to have an effect on him. I'm hoping we're still recording, right? Uh, okay. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> thought we lost you all there for a minute. So we can talk about drugs, right? We can talk about, again, the pressures. I think there was a lot of that. Right. Uh, Kurt Cobain did commit suicide. He did put a shotgun in his mouth. He left right. a suicide note. Um, I think go back from when we're talking about Jimmy and Michael Jackson. And again, you know, yeah, there's no disputing his. Right. Yeah, we know exactly what happened to him. We're getting back into that tortured soul right. conversation, right? Right. Uh, did you ever listen, like really listen to Nirvana Unplugged? Yeah. I dig that. That's good stuff. I I don't think anybody was expecting that, though. Right. Because they didn't really do their hits on it, right? Mm-hmm. I think they, they did Come As You Are on it. Um. Uh, I think they had a few th- a few songs off in utero, but you know, no acoustic version of "Smells Like Teen Spirit" right. or anything. Right. They did David Bowie songs. They did Meat Puppet songs. Right. Right. And I think that um, a lot of people, like a lot of producers and people in the MTV world, were probably really worried about the product that they were getting. <laughs> I loved MTV Unplugged. Oh, yeah. uh, Clapton's was amazing. Mm-hmm. I think Alice in Chains. Oh, that that's right. Yeah, one. that was with a pretty sick um, Lane Staley Lane too. Staley, yeah. You can see he's wearing gloves. He looks really frail. Right. It's that heroin, man. Yeah. Bon Jovi's was a real good one too. I don't, I don't think I saw Bon Jovi's. That was a good one. But you know who really kicked off that craze? The Unplugged craze. It's LL Cool J. Really? He did that unplugged version of Mama Said Knock You Out. <laughs> it's it's pretty impressive. <laughs> nice. But this, actually, this might stand the test of time, this album, their unplugged album, I think, yeah. more than their quote-unquote grunge stuff. More I mean, than Nevermind and In Utero. This is probably my favorite stuff from Nirvana, is that unplugged album. Yeah. So, this mean, is every, everybody loves the first big Nirvana, you know. Smells like Teen Spirit. That whole album what was it called Nevermind, right? Which is not their first album, right? Mind you, and we're talking about that's when they again, broke that's through, and that's when everybody oh, yeah. was like, "Oh, Nirvana, Nirvana!" Everybody loves that album. Yeah, but I think this is probably my favorite stuff. The unplugged. Oh yeah, this is a David Bowie cover. This yeah, is the man who sold the world. Just that stripped down raw, you know, just guitar, bass, drums, vocals. That's it. Nothing else. So it's stripped down and raw, but I think in a way, like that, I love feedback. that feedback yeah, right there. I always know right there. where that is whenever right. I listen to this. But I think as stripped down as it is, this is some of the most rock and roll stuff they did because they said, you know, we're going to do this 
set list. This is what we're going to do. We don't care what you want to hear, right? right? We're right. going to play what we want to play. Yeah, that's totally rock and roll. Right. <laughs> and I think it scared Screw a you, lot we'll of do people. What we want, right? Right. A lot of people were probably really <laughs> wringing their hands and worrying. <laughs> Stories like that—that's what makes the—that's uh, what makes rock and roll legends, man. That's live from the basement. That's what it is. Although I think just listening to this particular song, I would really uh, might take issue with the word unplugged right I mean, he is playing electric guitar on it, so. <laughs> well usually with those unplugged albums too they were unplugged but you'd still have like a plugged in bass I, th- I right. feel like you've seen a lot of that yeah if, back then the the acoustic bass didn't really come around back then oh is that what it was now there's you know there's one sitting over there right there's, you know now there's acoustic basses but the acoustic bass wasn't a big thing back then other than the big upright Right, you know, like double bases. And those yeah. guys don't know how to play those. Man. That's a whole different world. Well, if you're the bass player for uh, Bare Naked Ladies, actually, he plays a stand-up bass as well as a bass guitar. He's actually, they're going. Out, they're coming out on tour with uh, with Hootie, Hootie and, and the, the Blowfish. Blowfish, man. I know. Yeah, I know. One of our friends told me about it. I would very much like to go. Oh to yeah, that. we we need to see when that's coming around <laughs> Detroit, man. Because I've seen Darius Rucker. You know, with this whole country stint, but man, yeah. I never got to see Hootie. And no, I no, like I didn't Hootie either. In fact, I couldn't stand Hootie and the Blowfish. Right. I love them. Now, they used man. to. Great. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they used to drive me crazy. I'm like, this is such garbage. What is this? I'm not listening to this at all. And now, actually, I'm kind of a fan. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how that happened. There's some really good bands that, that came out. There you go. I. We did it again. We, <laughs> we totally. Uh, for all you listeners, Darius Rucker is, to my knowledge, still alive. <laughs> yes. Nobody in this band is in Forever 27. This would almost fall under guilty pleasures. It might be a good idea to do for one of, yes. our, for one of our episodes. Totally. But I don't know how guilty I feel about this, though. I don't, man. Who do you big, man? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't get turned down for a date if you said you liked Hootie and the Blowfish. Are you sure about that? Oh, I know. <laughs> All right, I'm fading it out because we're going to keep talking. There we about go. It and keep talking about it. So, back to the 27 Club. Yeah. Who else, who else do we have on that list? Jim Morrison, man. Oh, that's right. Uh, the Lizard King, Mr. Mojo Rising. What does that mean? Mr. Mojo Rising. Mr. Mojo Rising. That's in one of his songs, actually. Right. I know, I can hear it. Do you know what it means? I don't know the true meaning behind it. Really? Let's play some doors and I'll tell you. Let's find some doors. I know, like, this whole story about from when he was a kid, where he saw this accident on the side of the road, and it was some Native Americans that were hurt, and... That was like this big pivotal moment in his life. He always said. I think that was. I remember seeing the uh, Oliver Stone biopic. 
about Jim Morrison with um, Val Kilmer. Yeah. And I think they actually... Uh, Who played Jim Morrison phenomenal. Oh, yeah, it was frightening. Like, looked and everything like Jim Morrison. So, Mr. Mojo Rising is actually, if you take all the letters of Jim Morrison's name and rearrange them, really? if you make an anagram out of them, nice. you rearrange it into Mr. Mojo Rising. This song right here that you're playing... Um, this was a big thing for them because they uh, they went on the Ed Sullivan show and he wanted them to change that line where it said, girl, we couldn't get much higher. Right. And they didn't want him to say because it kind of promoted getting stoned on national TV and they didn't want that on the show. And they were like, yeah, 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 we'll do it. And as soon as that line came up, he said, girl, we couldn't get much higher right in the camera. And they lost it. And like Ed Sullivan lost his mind over it. Did they wind up finishing the broadcast? Or I, do I you think remember? they finished, but they were like, they never went on the show again. They were never welcomed back. Um, so we talked about Mr. Mojo Rising. I don't know the story behind the Lizard King, though, do you? The Lizard King? Yeah. I don't know the story behind it. I just know the name. Right. So those of you who are subscribing to our, our page, leave comments. Make us look bad. Tell us all your knowledge. Tell us what the Lizard King means. Good thing we got this cool thing called the interweb. This is probably my favorite Doors track. Really? Yeah. I know it's just it's bluesy as hell there's some actually thinking about it now that we're playing this there's some myth to this song too because uh, at the end when he's saying I woke up this morning and I got myself a beer right I've also heard and I have no idea the truth of this that it's I woke up this morning and I got myself a beard in other words, I've been passed out for so many days in a row. That I grew a beard. <laughs> right, that I woke up and I've got facial hair. <laughs> so, the Lizard King. It actually appeared in the sleeve of the Doors album Waiting for the Sun and it's a poem that Jim Morrison wrote because he wrote a lot of poems too and That's spoken right. word mm -hmm. and uh, there's a line in the poem that says I am the lizard king I can do anything and the fans thought he was referring to himself instead of another persona so the name just stuck the lizard king that's where it came from He's another one of those guys who, at least originally, was a very shy performer, right? Like, didn't even want to look at the stage, like, right. look at the crowd from right. the stage. Yeah, they they actually kind of had to force him to, to turn around. They would say, Jim, turn around, look at the crowd, look at the crowd. And then when he finally did it, he just exploded. But he was, from the things I've read, he was a, he was a super smart guy. He actually graduated with a bachelor's degree from UCLA. Really? Yeah. I mean, really intelligent guy. And that's where he met um, Ray Manzarek. He was another UCLA graduate. 
and Robbie Krieger, those two were already playing music together when they hooked up with Jim Morrison. Funny, they didn't have a bass player in the band. No, yeah, I remember there's yeah. a lot of stuff that's like, where's the bass? Yeah, there's no bass player in the band. He always played, because Ray Manzarek played the organ. Right. And uh, he'd play the bass parts on the organ, along with the organ. So. Yeah, I remember someone telling me that when I was way younger, like, yeah, this band, you know, one kind of unique thing about them is they don't have a bass player. I'm like, right. Which really actually made me start trying to listen more and try and pick the music apart more. Like, is there right. a bass? And there is, you will hear bass guitar in some of their stuff, right? Right. They had, I mean, studio musicians that would sit in and yeah. if they needed it or something. But I don't think live they ever took a bass player with them. It's always just Ray Manzarek playing the keyboard. That's crazy. Can you imagine a, well, I was going to say, can you imagine bands today who yeah. don't have bass players? But you look at these, like, two people groups. Um, right. Like the Black Keys. That's that's what I was looking yeah, for. Black right. Keys. Um, there was another one too. I can't think of the name. White Stripes. Yeah, White Stripes. Even um, that famous quote unquote bass line from Seven Nation Army, not a bass line. Well, I mean it's a bass line, but it's not played on a bass guitar. Really? Yeah, he just uh, Jack White just retuned his electric guitar. Oh, tuned it down. Yeah. Nice. And probably oh. ran it through some effects and. Right. Right. But not played on a bass originally. Huh. Probably my favorite Doors tune is uh, People Are Strange. I can't hear that without thinking about Lost Boys. I was just going to say, from that's I think that's probably the first time I had heard that song. People are strange when you're a stranger. Not done by the Doors in that movie, though, I think. I think it's a cover. Alone, I think so. Women seem wicked. When you're unwanted, streets are uneven. Only when you're down, when you're strange, faces come out of the rain. When you're strange, I like what happens the more we talk about these artists, though, is we're talking about the people who died at 27 years old, but we're not talking about their death a ton, really. I think. Well, they're legends. We're celebrating. Right. The music that they've put out, everything that they've... I think, when I think about it, I think, I always wonder what they would be doing now. Oh, right. I totally how thought much, Jimmy's alive right, today. How much more music they would have created. How, what would they, I mean, they'd be in their 70s, 60, 70 year olds now. I mean, they'd right. be our Clapton's, our Paul McCartney's. Right. right. You know, those guys... Those guys did the same things back in the day. I mean, for God's sake, look at Keith Richards. <laughs> that guy's pumped every substance known to man through his body, and he's still alive. How? So, <laughs> I still wonder how that is even well, they, possible. They say if there's ever a nuclear holocaust, there'll only be two things left, cockroaches and Keith Richards. So. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, all those guys from back in the 60s, man, Clapton, that dude did... I mean, he wrote cocaine about doing cocaine. I mean, these guys were all drug addicts back in the day. Ozzy Osbourne, that dude was, that dude's had so much crap up his nose. But it's just, these guys made it through it, you know. And look at where they're at now. The Beatles, I mean, they were all about the psychedelic drugs, man. And Right, and the one of them died from being murdered of course and the right. other one died from cancer not right. from necessarily excessive living or right. 
they weren't quote unquote the tortured souls that we've been talking about. I mean, what what determines what makes them through it or not? You know, I mean, do they they come to the point in their life where they're like, look, I got to stop this. I can't keep living like this. Or do they just like these other ones? They just burn out, man. And Jim Morrison, they actually say it was a congestive heart failure that he, that he died from. Really? Yeah. Which was probably brought on by that's many years of drugs, but they so say it was congestive heart failure. Probably a lot of drugs destroyed his heart. Right. Just didn't have that. It didn't pump. Right. Like it should anymore, and that's why he died. But who else we got, man? A uh, little more uh, contemporary voice, um, but who really brought back a lot of that classic kind of musical feeling. Amy Winehouse. Oh, yeah. She was a true troubled soul, man. Anytime you heard anything about her, it was Amy Winehouse is in some kind of something. (laughs) Right, and I, for a while, you kind of felt like she, like, kind of, that was her, her image, right? Right. And maybe she, you know, kind of got the feeling she's going to party and live forever. Right. I think the thing that always struck me about Amy Winehouse is looking at her, you know, tattooed, you know, the big beehive hair, you know, kind of, you know, she had her look and didn't feel like, and then all the stories you heard about her, all the partying, like you were saying, and all the getting in trouble. She was like a mix of, to look at her, she was like a mix of a 1950s beehive house mom and a biker chick covered in tattoos. Right. <laughs> and I never looked at her and expected this voice to come out of her. Right. Right. I mean, she's probably 100 pounds soaking wet. It's like a... You know, it's like almost like a mix of... Frank Sinatra type dirtier jazz club she, type music. She did some stuff with Tony Bennett, didn't she? I think so. Now I'm going to be honest, I didn't do a lot of digging into her. I don't know if you know a ton about Amy Winehouse. I don't. I feel like I kind of came along her kind of more towards the end of her career when I started. Right really giving her her due like oh there's really just there is something to this gal and she definitely was talented she's got that <clears throat> that voice kind of distinct voice it's a little raspy you know you hear that and it's it's like listening to to all these other great singers man you when you hear Maisie Gray you know it's Maisie Gray when you right. hear Karen Carpenter you know it's Karen Carpenter you know, these people, and she's the same way. When you hear Amy Winehouse, you know it's Amy Winehouse. I don't know a lot about her death, though. She could even do the standards. I'm like, she could really right. fit that image. Oh, I don't even know how long ago she died. It feels got to be at least five years. At least. 
I would, I would push maybe 10, actually. What did she die from? Substance. I think uh, alcohol intoxic uh, over-intoxication, like alcohol poisoning. Wow. Two thousand eleven. So it's been seven years. Yeah. Seven and a half years since she died. Yeah, I was gonna say about ten years I thought, but it's close. as long as like some of these other guys man i don't think she she yeah. got the recognition like hendrix i mean that was years and years and years and then he was gone i think she only had a couple years in the spotlight before she was gone yeah again like i was saying i don't feel like she was on my radar right and then by the time she was it was yeah that was the end yeah yeah the great Female voice can belt, mm -hmm. which actually kind of makes me think of one other person who's who's on this list. Really? Oh, Janis Joplin. Busted flat Me and Bangor, Bobby McKee. Waiting for a train. How many times I've done this song? <laughs> with different people in bands. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh yeah. Do you like playing it, or is yeah, it? it's cool. I, I mean, there's only three chords in the whole song. It's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you played it with anyone who can really? Oh yeah, close to you know yeah, capturing that Janice. I have a, a cousin, Shauna, who can sing very very similar to Janice Joplin. She can really belt it out, and uh, we did this song. It's phenomenal. I, I remember. I don't know if there's truth to this, but I remember she would have like a like a pregame ritual before she would perform on stage, where she'd like drink a fifth of Jack. And I've heard the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> And I think she would just scream at the top of her lungs. I don't know the truth to any of this. But, <laughs> again, that's what builds the myth, right? Right. That's what creates that folklore. Could you see her doing that before? Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. totally. And when, I th when you mentioned the Forever 27 Club, those the three big ones that come to my mind are her and Hendrix and Morrison. I think those are probably the three of the biggest ones in that club. And then you go to your Kurt Cobain and your Winehouse and then Robert Johnson. And then, and like I said at the beginning, it bleeds over into to actors, performers. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people in that club that people don't really even realize. Yeah, just a year or two ago, we lost that young kid who was in the Star Trek movies, Anton Yelchin, I think his name was. Hmm. From a freak accident. Uh, his Jeep went out of gear. 
rolled down the driveway and pinned him to the to the gate in the front of really? his house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but he was 27. I mean, he was uh, was River Phoenix 27? I don't. We'll have to fact check. Yeah, we need to find that out because. So our friends who are on TNJ Live from the basement, you can when we post these episodes, you can comment on them. So put forth people you felt we should have talked about. Let us know what we got wrong. River Phoenix was 23 when he died. Someone else asked me when I was tossing some ideas around about this, about uh, Ian Curtis. Um, who, but it turns out Ian Curtis was um, 21 years old and hung himself in the kitchen. I would have said um, Heath Ledger, too, but he was 28. Oh, wow. He would have. He just yeah. missed it. Yeah. Heath Ledger. Dude, the Joker. I think he, once again we were starting to find our way into the troubled soul. So he locked himself in a hotel room for months preparing that role, right? And just writing as the Joker, thinking as the Joker. And I do think there were some substances involved in that, that too. Is, that is probably his best role ever when he played the Joker. That was incredible to watch him. It gives you chills to watch him. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, just, it's not a Batman movie. That's a Joker movie with yeah. the little Batman. Right. Exactly. I think we ran a pretty good pretty good gambit. Is that we could we could spend hours upon hours on this with the the length of the list. I st- I still think it's funny just the coincidence of the age of 27 all these people have have died but I just I think it's because they're in the peak of their careers. I mean think about where we were at at 27. What if you would have been a, a famous millionaire rock star at 27? I mean I was playing in bands when I was 27 here local in town. And I was partying a lot. <laughs> I can't imagine what I would have done if I were on tour with some big band. Well, like you said, too, you get to the point where everybody's asking something of you, too. Right. You know, you feel like you have got to perform for and satisfy. Everybody and wants something. Right. From you. Everybody. Every, everywhere you turn, everybody only wants from you. Right. Nobody's ever giving to you. They're always trying to take from you, trying to take from you. And I think they're just looking for peace. And they turn to the uh, the substances, man. Well, I think we did a good job covering everything. So this is Todd and Jay, live from the basement, produced by us, Todd Lambert, Jason Tressy. Um, I don't recorded literally live in the basement. Um, I do want to throw out a few shout outs, though. Uh, my brother, Joe Tressy, really helped us get the website off so that people can subscribe to it so they can go to TNJ Live from the basement and they can subscribe so that this podcast always shows up in their feed. Right. Um want to give another big shout out to uh, Mark Feldhauer from the Drew and Mike show though. I emailed him just to see if he could throw me some, some some suggestions and Mark actually called me. We spent some time talking. He gave me a lot of ideas as to how the direction we could take, how we can get this uh, podcast published. So 
thanks. Yes. You know, all that help is greatly, tremendously appreciated. It was really cool, really classy. Big thanks to both, for sure. And big thanks to everyone who has taken the time to listen. I know we've gotten some pretty decent feedback from some people from the first episode. So we J- <laughs> JP, Gentate. Had some interesting drunken drunken texts that came our way <laughs> as people were listening. So we won't mention names. But <laughs> we're, glad, we're glad you're enjoying. <laughs> Thank you for the wonderful feedback and thanks for taking the time to listen. You wanna get out of here? Yeah, and let's roll out. Alright. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. It's all.